0: The epistle to be read for the 20th Sunday after Pentecost is taken from St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians, chapter 5. Brethren, see how you walk circumspectly, not as unwise, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, become not unwise, but understanding what is the will of God. And be not drunk with wine, wherein is luxury, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual canticles, singing and making melody in your hearts to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God and the Father, being subject one to another in the fear of Christ. And the Holy Gospel is taken from the Gospel of St. John, chapter 4. At that time there was a certain ruler whose son was sick at Capernaum. He, having heard that Jesus was come from Judea into Galilee, went to him and prayed him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Jesus, therefore, said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you believe not. The ruler saith to him, Lord, come down before my son die. Jesus saith to him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. The man believing the word which Jesus said to him went his way. And as he was going down, his servants met him, and they brought word saying that his son lived. He asked therefore of them the hour wherein he grew better, and they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. The father therefore knew that it was at the same hour that Jesus said to him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed in his whole house. Thus far the words of today's Holy Gospel. Jesus, therefore, said to him, unless you see signs and wonders, you believe not. Words taken from today's gospel in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. My dear friends, the events of today's gospel took place at the beginning of the second year of the public life of Christ. And thus, as certain Catholic scholars tell us, the time would have been around January of 32 A.D. Our Lord had spent most of the previous year in Judea and had just returned to Galilee. And upon his return, he was preaching the gospel in various towns and cities until at length he arrived at Cana where he had worked his first public miracle almost one year before the changing of the water into wine. Now a certain ruler from Capernaum, which city was the metropolis of Galilee, having heard of the marvelous cures performed by Christ, made the 20-mile journey to Cana from Capernaum. This ruler whose name we do not know is thought to have been in the service of Herod Antipas, the Tetrarch of Galilee. This ruler's son was sick unto death, and he came to Cana to ask our Lord to return with him to Capernaum to cure the young boy. The ruler then had a certain faith. In the miraculous power of Christ, but he was far from believing him to be the Son of God. And our divine Savior, who can read the minds and hearts of men, said to him, Unless you see signs and wonders, you believe not. In other words, your faith, your belief in me, Depends upon what you see. But the ruler pleaded with our Lord, Come down before my son die. But to this pleading, our Lord replied, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man went his way, believing. When he arrived home the following morning... His servants, overcome with joy, ran out to meet him to tell him that his son was fully recovered. The ruler asked them with no little emotion, when did this happen? And they told him, yesterday at the seventh hour, which was the exact moment that our Lord had said, thy son liveth. It was then that this ruler and his whole house believed in Christ with a supernatural faith. And thus the ruler came to believe in him because he had made an act of faith. He had made an act of faith in our divine Savior, who simply said to him, Go, thy son liveth. He believed in our Lord then no longer as a prophet or some kind of a wonder worker, but he believed our Lord to be the Son of God. How, my dear friends, ought we to have such a faith in our Lord. In the midst of our daily lives, the crosses we must carry, the sorrows we must bear, The many blessings and favors for which we ask, still, how we have to believe that He is the Son of God and the only Savior of the world. And in believing this with our whole heart, we must believe that He could take away our crosses. He could remove all our sorrows and pains. He could lighten our burdens. He could make our lives here pain-free, trouble-free, and even economically debt-free. He could grant all the temporal and material blessings and all the comforts of life if he so wished. Just as he willed the heal, to heal the son of the ruler. These things are among the signs and wonders, so to speak, that men look for today. But if our divine Savior does not grant such things... It is only because he knows in the depths of his infinite wisdom that such crosses, sorrows, troubles, and burdens are good for our sanctification and our eternal salvation. How good God is. And how much does the Sacred Heart of Jesus love each one of us. That He only grants, He will only give what is truly good for us and our eternal salvation. How then ought we who are truly blessed among billions of people with the one true faith, how we ought to believe in Him How we ought to trust Him beyond measure and to love Him all the more. So that no matter what sufferings and hardships occur, either in our personal life or in the world around us, we are not given to a complaining spirit. We are not given to a sadness of soul or to a questioning of the providence of God, but rather we are given to a humble, patient resignation and to a peace of soul. When we are faced with struggles or difficulties that we just don't understand why, It's at times like that, my dear friends, that we have to make an act of faith. We have to make an act of confidence in Christ. Now, you know, this past Wednesday, October 19th, we observed the 29th anniversary of the Episcopal consecration of Bishop Kelly. Bishop Kelly was consecrated a bishop that day in 1993 by Bishop Alfred Mendez, a Catholic bishop who truly loved God and the church. If that consecration had never happened, we would most probably not be here today. I certainly would not be standing here before you as a priest and a bishop. But did you know, my dear friends, that Bishop Kelly's consecration almost did not happen? And from a human point of view, it certainly seemed that it would not happen. For you see, Bishop Mendez became seriously ill at the beginning of October of that year. In fact, he was so ill that on October the 2nd, he was rushed by an ambulance to the critical care unit of a San Diego hospital. Father Jenkins in Cincinnati got word of this and immediately called the then Father Kelly. Father Kelly listened as Father Jenkins informed him of Bishop Mendez's condition. When Father Jenkins had finished, Father Kelly simply said to him, God's will. And then he said this, if the bishop dies, it will be clear that God did not want this consecration. Father Jenkins boarded a plane the very next day for San Diego to anoint Bishop Mendez, to give him the sacrament of extreme unction and the apostolic benediction. This he did as well as anointing another man in the critical care unit whose family had approached Father in the hospital and asked him to do this. The following day, the pulmonary care doctor in that unit, who was not a Catholic, nor I even believed baptized, he said to Father Jenkins in all seriousness, I don't know what you have in that container, but keep using it. It has brought back two of my patients from the verge of death. And the two patients were Bishop Mendez and that other gentleman Father had anointed. From that point on, Bishop Mendez began his recovery until at length he was released from the hospital. He was back at home on October the 11th, the Feast of the Divine Maternity of Our Lady. Over the next week, Bishop Mendez grew steadily stronger and did indeed consecrate Bishop Kelly on October 19th in the presence of all the priests of the Society of St. Pius V. So much hinged on that consecration. So much, my dear friends, was at stake The whole future of our chapels, schools, and the future for the daughters of Mary depended on that consecration. And just when it seemed a likelihood that it was not going to happen, everything changed. Bishop Mendez, who was near death, who was at death's door, recovered and because of that consecration we have Bishop Kelly we have Immaculate Heart Seminary we have the bishops the priests and the brothers of the congregation of St. Pius V, fifth and thus we have a future for our chapels our schools our sisters and our people around this country and maybe beyond, who depend upon us and who look to us for true Catholic and valid masses and sacraments. But what a faith, what a confidence, and what a resignation of Bishop Kelly. He did not question God's providence. He did not question God's will. He did not even ask our Lord to cure Bishop Mendez like the ruler in today's gospel, so that the Episcopal consecration could take place. But rather, in an abounding trust in our divine Savior, Bishop Kelly simply prayed that God's will be done. As he said to Father Jenkins, if the bishop dies, it will be clear that God did not want this consecration. In your gratitude, my dear friends, I ask that you please continue to remember Bishop Kelly in your prayers. Even as you ask our divine Savior to increase your faith, your belief in Him, so that no matter what troubles, what sorrows, what difficulties and hardships arise in your lives, you will trust Him. You will trust Him who knows all things, who can do all things, and who permits all things. But always for your sanctification and eternal salvation. And finally, my dear people, never forget, in all your requests, in all your troubles, in all your sorrows, When things become so difficult, never forget to go immediately to Our Lady, the Mother of Mercy. For never was it known that anyone who fled to her protection, implored her help, or sought her intercession, was ever left unaided. God bless you.